0: Welcome to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. We invite you to open your Bibles and follow along with us as we study God's Word together. Hello, I'm Cody Westbrook, and you're listening to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. Over our last several episodes, we've been tracing the story of the Bible or the main idea of the Bible. In the book of Genesis, first we read about the record of creation in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And then in Genesis chapter 3, we read about the first sin and the entrance of sin and its effects into the world. But we also read in that chapter, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, the first announcement uh, by God to mankind as to how God intends to deal with the sin problem that now exists in the world. As God spoke to the serpent in Genesis 3.15, He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. It shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now we recognize that that statement, that promise, is the first messianic prophecy. And from that point forward, we begin to see God add more information to that little by little. He made a promise to Abraham, for example, in Genesis chapter 12, and then repeated that promise to Isaac and to Jacob. He called Moses to direct the children of Israel out of Egyptian captivity, to bring them to, uh, to bring them before him, so that they might be uh, given the law and might be uh, made the people at Mount Sinai, and so he did. And as we go on through the Old Testament, which we've done over the last several episodes of our podcast, we begin to see God's plan of redemption. Again, the story of the Bible, as you recall, is the salvation of mankind through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. And that story begins in the first few chapters of Genesis, and that story is unfolded little by little throughout the pages of the Old Testament, and now we arrive at the New Testament. And in the New Testament, we see the story of the Bible reach its high point, the salvation of man through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. We begin in the New Testament, of course, with the book of Matthew, and in the first chapter of Matthew, Matthew, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, lists the genealogy of Jesus. And in this genealogy, he shows Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of the promises made to Abraham and to David and to others that we have looked at in brief over the last several episodes of our podcast, working our way through the content of the Old Testament. Notice in Matthew chapter 1, and verse 1, the Bible says, "...the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham." And then he begins with Abraham in verse number 2 and works his way all the way up to verse 16. Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Now immediately when we read in in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 and following, we should think of the seed promise, Genesis 3.15, Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 22. We should think of the promise that God made to David in Second Samuel chapter 7, that of his seed or his line, God would raise up a king to sit on his throne forever. And so Matthew, by inspiration, is letting us know at the very beginning of the New Testament that we are now reading about the fulfillment of these messianic promises that were made throughout the pages of the Old Testament Scripture. The promises, or the prophecies rather, that were made throughout the Old Testament Scripture that were foretelling Jesus Christ and His work, and how God would make salvation a reality through His Son. Now as we step back uh, just for a moment and take a more general view of the New Testament, we should recognize that the New Testament is basically divided into four parts. First of all, we have the books of Matthew through John, which chronicle for us the life of Christ. Then we have the book of Acts, which records the actions of the early church. And that book is all about how to become a Christian. And then we have, from 1 Corinthians through Jude, the epistles. And the intention of those epistles, or those New Testament books, is to teach us how to live as a Christian, And then finally, at the end of the New Testament, we have the book of Revelation, which teaches us how to die as a Christian. So we have Matthew through John, which is the life of Christ. We have Acts, which is how to become a a Christian. 1 Corinthians through Jude, Romans through Jude, rather, uh, which is all about how to live as a Christian. And Revelation, which is all about how to die as a Christian. Now, zooming back in, we find in about 28 A.D., John the Baptizer, who is the fulfillment of prophecies found in Malachi and other passages in Scripture, as the forerunner of Jesus Christ, in about 28 A.D., he begins his ministry. And in about 30 A.D., Jesus begins his ministry. And both of these were teaching and preaching, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. In about 33 AD, Jesus Christ is crucified, and then we turn to the uh, book of Acts, where after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and his ascension into heaven, we find the church coming into existence. The church is established in Acts chapter 2, and the Bible will tell us in Ephesians chapter 5 that the church is the body of the saved. So Jesus came as a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. The reason that He came was to make salvation possible. We find in Jesus the fulfillment of the Messianic prophecy in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. And so everything that God has been working toward beginning in the garden is now being seen, is now coming to fruition. Let's consider a few points as we consider the New Testament as a whole a few points that will help us to appreciate uh, the main thrust of the New Testament first of all as we've already said Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy in the book of Galatians chapter 3 the Apostle Paul has a lengthy discussion about the Old Testament law the law of Moses and and in verses 19 through 25, in particular, he discusses the purpose of the law. He says in verse 19, the, per- the law was added because of transgressions till the seed should come, to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the Scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor." Now, I want you to notice that in verses 19 to 25, as Paul discusses the purpose of the Old Testament law, what he says is that that law was always intended to be temporary. It completed, it fulfilled, it accomplished the purpose for which it was intended. And that was to simply fill a temporary need until, he says, faith has come, or literally, the faith. When he talks about faith, or the faith, he's not talking about that in a subjective sense. In other words, he's not meaning what a person individually believes. But rather, he's talking about it in an objective sense, meaning he's talking about a a standard that applies to everybody. He's talking about the gospel or the New Testament. So the application of this is that the law was intended to last only until Jesus came into the world, and died on the cross in order to purchase salvation with his blood for all of humanity. In fact, in Colossians 2 verse 14, the Bible tells us that Jesus has nailed the Old Testament law to his cross. Now in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, listen to this passage. The Bible says, "...but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Now, in Galatians 4:4, when Paul says, the, when he speaks of the fullness of time, he's talking about the time being just right, the, the absolute perfect time. And he says when that perfect time had come, that's when God sent his son into the world. And the reason he sent him into the world is redemption, Galatians 4 and verse 5. Again, remember the story of the Bible is the salvation of mankind through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. We saw how God began to bring that plan into existence beginning in Genesis 3.15 and now we see in Jesus Christ that He is the fulfillment. He is the one that brings that plan to fruition. He is the one that helps it to produce the fruit that it's intended to produce. Now in Revelation 19:10 the Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So in other words, the Old Testament prophets as they prophesied, they're looking forward to the coming of Jesus. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, Jesus himself said that the son of man did not come to be ministered unto, but rather to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus knew why he had come into the world. In Ephesians 1 and verse 7, the Bible says we have redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. In the book of Hebrews, we have a number of contrasts where the Hebrews writer looks back at the Old Testament law and he contrasts a number of points showing Jesus to be superior. He is superior to the prophets. He is superior to angels. He is a superior high priest. He has ushered in a superior priesthood and a superior covenant. And a number of other points should be gleaned from the book of Hebrews as well. So Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. The entire Old Testament is looking forward to the coming of Jesus into the world that he might fulfill God's plan of redemption, which is the salvation of man through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. But we should also notice, turning our Bibles to Acts chapter 2, that Jesus came into the world to establish the church. The Bible tells us about the establishment of the church in Acts chapter 2. In fact, if you go back to Luke chapter 24 and you read verse 47 to 49, you'll note that before his ascension, Jesus told the apostles to go and wait in Jerusalem, until they would be endued with power from on high. In Acts chapter 1, we notice that they're in Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter 2, we notice that that power comes in verses 1 and following. And so, they stand up and they begin preaching the gospel, preaching the word of God. And in Acts 2 and verse number 47, the Bible for the very first time speaks of the church as a presently existing institution. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved, the passage says. Again, that's Acts 2 and verse number 47. Now the church has been established, and as we keep reading and studying the book of Acts, we find that the gospel spreads, that the church grows. Because for the first uh, seven chapters or so, the apostles are preaching and teaching and doing their work in Jerusalem. But then after the death of Stephen, there is a great dispersion in the beginning of Acts chapter 8. And so now the gospel is taken unto the Gentile world. And we read and learn about the conversion of one named Saul, who would become the apostle Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, in Acts chapter 9. And the remainder of the book of Acts primarily chronicles the work of the apostle Paul in taking the gospel to the whole world. In fact, in Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul will make mention of the fact that the gospel had gone into the whole world and how it was bearing fruit throughout all the world. But then we turn our attention to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 to 16. And as we study this great book that is all about the church of Christ, we are told something about God's intention for the church. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. And he explains what Jesus has done, and he says basically two things. He says, first of all, Jesus had made, has made peace possible for man and his fellow man. Specifically, he's talking about Jew and Gentile. And he is talking about the fact that Jew and Gentile are now all united in one body. And Paul has already told us in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, that that one body is the church. He also tells us in Ephesians 2, 14 to 16, not only that Jesus has made peace possible between man and his fellow man, but he has also made peace possible between man and God. And notice again, he says that 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 happens, verse 16, they are reconciled both to God in one body through the cross. That one body is the church of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, there's a false doctrine in our world called premillennialism, and that doctrine supposes that the church is really an afterthought, that Jesus never really came to establish the church, and that when he was rejected, he established the church as sort of a plan B until he could come back again and accomplish uh, his original intent. But the Bible teaches us that God's intention from eternity was to bring the church into existence, this one body, in which all people, Jew and Gentile, might dwell together, united with one another and united with God. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 9-11, to the Apostle Paul will describe the church as the eternal purpose of God. So Jesus came as the fulfillment of prophecy, but Jesus also came to establish the church. In fact, there are many uh, many of the messianic prophecies in the Old Testament would be what we might refer to as kingdom or church prophecies. For example, in Isaiah 2, and in Daniel 2, and in Joel 2, and in Micah 4, we find information about the coming kingdom or the church of Jesus Christ. Isaiah tells us where, Daniel tells us when, Joel tells us how. And so we see all of those things find their fulfillment in Acts chapter 2, when the church came into existence. Jesus came as the fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus came to establish the church, and the church is the body of the saved. Ephesians 5 and verse number 23. The Bible says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. But there's one more point that should be considered. And that is this, that Jesus also has promised, that He is going to come back, that He's going to return again. In fact, in John chapter 14, verses 1 and following, as Jesus has just told the twelve that He's going to be leaving them, He then tells them, "...let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to Myself, that where I am, there you may be also." Jesus promised that he was going to come back. He promised he was going to prepare a place. And as we study John chapter 13, even all the way through John chapter 17, what we find clearly is that when Jesus said he was going to prepare a place and that he would come back and receive us, uh, come back and uh, receive us so that we could be where he is, that what he's talking about is going to the Father's house. He is talking about uh, his followers, Christians, being able to be in heaven. The Father's house with the Father forever and ever. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1 that when Jesus ascended, the angels looked down and said, Why do you stand here gazing up? He'll return just as he has ascended. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we find one of the passages in the New Testament that tell us about uh, the events that are going to occur when Jesus returns. The Bible tells us that the dead in Christ are going to rise first, that we're going to rise up to meet the Lord in the air, and hence we'll be with the Lord forever. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter 3 that the earth is going to be destroyed, and the Bible tells us that we're going to go on and we're going to be with Christ, and we're going to be with God the Father in heaven, in God's house, for eternity. But then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, As the Apostle Paul continues writing about the second coming of the Lord, he talks about preparation. And he talks about the fact that those of us who are of the day, those of us who are of the light, that we are to look to the coming of the Lord with this uh, excited anticipation. And that immediately brings to mind the instruction that we find throughout the epistles uh, uh, that were written to the church, Romans through Jude. And all of the various things that they say about how Christians are supposed to live their lives, that information is important because when we apply that information to our lives, then we know that we're living in a way that is pleasing to God. Again, remember the story of the Bible is the salvation of man through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. So God sent His Son into the world in order to die on the cross that our redemption might be purchased, that salvation may be uh, be possible. He established His church, which is the body of the saved, and then He gave us instruction so that we can know how to live our lives in a way that is consistent with His will and that is right in His sight so that we can maintain fellowship with Him in this life and go and be with Him in heaven for eternity. And that brings us to the end of God's Word. So, beginning in Genesis 3 and verse 15, all the way through the end of the book of Revelation... We see God's plan to save man through Christ Jesus all to His glory. That's the end of our episode today. hope that this material has been helpful and interesting to you. And hopefully, as you consider the lessons that we've had on the story of the Bible, it will will help you to understand and appreciate a little bit better the biblical text as you read and study through it. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. We hope that you'll continue to listen and study God's Word with us as we open up its pages and learn more from the wonderful Word of Life. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. Please visit our website at swcofc.org for more information about the Southwest Church of Christ. And if you're in the Austin area, please come and visit with us. Thank you for listening, and please join us again as we open up our Bibles and study more of the wonderful Word of Life.